Inverse Genius Episode 45, Fortnightly, Ja Ja Ding Dong. In this episode, Bruce talks all about the Eurovision Song Contest, Donald waxes about mustards and epoxy boggards, and Chris takes a look at Wabajack Automated Mod Installer. And together, they all discuss steady crafting your hope the craftsman hey do you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for inverse genius and you'll see our podpledge page all that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs and we truly appreciate it thanks welcome to another episode of the inverse genius fortnightly it's kind of like show and tell for uh, geeks but uh, we don't show anything so it's rather like tell and tell and tell uh, but anyway, I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsvio. Today, I am thrilled not only to have on one of our recurring hosts for Onboard Games and this particular show as well, but also a co-host from the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. We're going to lead off, though, with our, our recurring wandering monster himself, Bruce Vogue. Hey! Uh, so I felt like I should come with all the energy at the... I, uh, you the absolutely should. Like that. That's what I thought the I thought the move was going to be that. Hey, everybody, uh, I'm Bruce. You know all the places to find me uh, this time because I try and pick a different place every time where you should look for me. Uh, let's say this time, uh, go check out the Party Gamecast featuring the Party Gamecast, a podcast about party games and games take to parties, but usually snacks. Most people listen for the snack content. We hardly even talk about games anymore. Uh, as we record, this is the very end of June. Uh, when you're listening to this, is like the end of July. Uh, so like a month ago, I probably put an episode out. So, hey, that's a thing. Um, episodes come out about once a month. Uh, and as we come out of uh, lockdown, uh, we'll probably get a little more regular as when we make programming. So if you happen to like uh, hearing about snacks, which who doesn't? Uh, and you like hearing about party games, which once who doesn't? Uh, mm-hmm. Check that out. We'd love, to, we'd love to hear from you. And our other voice tonight is... Chris Bell from the Games and Schools and Libraries podcast. Hello. Um, contrary to these two, you can't find me on the internet because that's just what I do. Um, uh, you can find him probably playing games on Steam, but he's not going to tell you his ID because he's a <laughs> troublemaker. Uh, yeah, sure. That's the word we'll go with. He, he, I'm, he's too lazy to do social media is the real truth. So that Chris. is 100% accurate. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, anyway, so I think we should talk a little bit about what we've previously talked about. And uh, first of all, that means that we are now halfway through Loki uh, as of the time that this is recording and probably the time it's released. Uh, so have either of you been watching Loki? Absolutely. Seen them all. And, and you like it? You don't like it? You think it's trash? You think it's wonderful? I think it's very good. Um it's interesting because they keep obviously trying to set things up without mm. revealing them. So there's a lot of stuff that seems weird and they don't get to it till an episode or two at this point later. Right. So hard to say. Right, I am this is not, this is a non-spoilery discussion. So Bruce yourself. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. I've been watching all of it. I watch it every Wednesday night. Uh, it's mm. been especially easy for me because uh, if you're out there, if you're a wrestling fan, uh, AEW, uh, usually on Wednesday nights, has had to move because of the NBA season uh, to different times. That means Wednesday night's free. So Rocky and I have been watching it every day as it's come out. Um, we're enjoying it. We're enjoying it. There's some things where we, we have big questions that sometimes are answered later and sometimes aren't. And sometimes we have to go to the internet and watch somebody explain Easter eggs to us. And we go, oh, it's because it's a reference to a Hong Kong action movie we didn't understand. Okay, now I get it. <laughs> Um, yeah. So far, I really like it, but I also think when it comes to kind of Marvel content and really comic book content in general, I'm very easy to please. Hmm. You like DC movies, don't you? So I liked some of the DC movies. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the, the DC cartoon stuff. I think has been amazing. Um, right. Yeah. So like, yes. I'm not the kind of person that nitpicks too much. Um, uh, there's been a very few movies where I just was angry while actively watching it. Iron Man three was one of them where, uh, just watching it. It was one of the few times where while I'm seeing it, I'm yelling things at the screen because I have problems, uh, but really? no, I don't have problems. That's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So I actually recently watched, uh, how to say it? Connie discovered that Ryan Reynolds was in the green lantern movie. Okay. all over again. It was nice. like, we need to watch that. And I'm like, okay. 
we can we can watch that. Um, and I will just say that it was much better than I remembered, since we are making an effort to stay somewhat positive on this show. Um, still not a stellar uh, superhero movie, but not as bad as everybody complained it was uh, at the time. I, there I we think go. a lot of movies that get a lot of like front-loaded negativity, if you go back, you find yourself saying, like, they weren't, but like, at worst, they were meh. Like, no. like my person, I really liked the the newest Ghostbusters that had come out. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I understood what people didn't like, and when I go back and watch it, I'm like, I don't like. It's probably not as good as I thought it was initially, just because it was like, oh my goodness, it's a Ghostbusters. But it certainly right. wasn't as bad as everybody else thought it was. It was a perfectly meh movie. The only problem that I had with it was that they played too much to the improv, and everybody gets the same amount of screen time as opposed to the way they did it in the original, which was finely crafted. But I still liked it. I still enjoyed it. It just was, it felt like a completely different kind of experiment. I can agree to all of that. And I kind of wish, having watched the, uh, I bought the Blu-ray when it came out and watched the unedited, like, director's cut version. Mm-hmm. And the problem was, was it was paced so slow that it was almost as bad a movie as uh, a lot of people said it was, but it made more sense. Mm. So you're like, well, it, now that I know what all this stuff is and why these things would happen, because there are things that happened in the original movie where you're just like, I don't get it. Why is everyone dancing? I don't know why they're dancing. And if so- you watch the unedited version, you've learned that like. You learn why they would dance in that scene. And you're like, oh, this makes so much sense. But you're right. It wasn't worth the 15 extra minutes of exposition to learn why that happened. You were right, but I'm also glad I know now. So one thing that I had a big problem with was that they set up one of the characters to know all kinds of things about New York. And then it never paid off. I, yep. I have a feeling it paid off in the director's cut. Did you see her giving more? Oh, well, this is blah, 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 blah. Because so I know a, these things. Not a ton more. I don't want to say it was like, you know, night and day different, but a lot of the things you didn't expect to see payoff got paid off in others. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, now I know why he's there. Oh, now I know what she's doing. Uh, But it Mm. did slow the pace of it to a crawl. Um, uh, It sort of reminded me, I think it was the old uh, He-Man cartoon movie that ended like four times. Like you got to a certain point, you're like, Oh, it's over. And then it started back up again because essentially it's supposed to be episodes of a cartoon. Uh, oh. It had that where you're like, Oh, okay. And then you look at your watch. You're like, Oh my goodness. What are we doing? Why are we still here? Why are we still watching this guy eat breakfast? Um, but you would learn it's because that's now you're going to figure out in later scenes what the payoffs are. Um, but nice. it definitely, I understand how an editor looked at that and went, Oh no, we're not putting this out. Yeah. Okay, so uh, moving on from Loki, um, we also talked uh, previous, before we started doing the Fortnightly, uh, John Manus was on and we talked a lot about Rick and Morty. And I recently rewatched all of Rick and Morty to get ready for the new season to start up. And the new season has started up and um, it has Mr. Nimbus in it, who sounds, who's like, sounds like uh, Colbert. Um, but uh, yeah, so... Uh, are you all, either one of you Rick and Morty fans? I am a Rick and Morty fan. Uh, and I've watched this one, so I can comment on things now because I did not watch the Ghostbusters. So I was very quiet. <laughs> nice. And what did you think? Um, I thought it was decent. Uh, it's hard to say with Rick and Morty because they have their ups and downs and their very big ups and very big downs. This mm. was an entertaining episode. But, I'm not I mean, sure that, that that I would agree with which ones are ups and downs with the rest of the internet. Um, I, I have no idea what the internet's opinion is. This is just uh, ah. some of them I really enjoy, some I don't. Just ask them, they'll tell you. Yeah, no, please. <laughs> I, not. I, I'm aware. So it was um, really quick minor spoiler. It was nice to see Rick not come out on top. Okay. You know, because mm-hmm. normally he's bulletproof. To mm-hmm. a certain degree of bulletproof. And also see uh, Morty. Nice to see Morty be hyper competent in and still completely screw everything up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that. Um, all right. Let's get on to a thing to talk about. And I guess that this is where I theoretically have to pick a thing to talk about. Uh, unless we make Bruce go first. 
you, you can, I can buy you quite a bit of time. Buy me some time, Bruce. <laughs> okay. I we talked we I asked uh the Donald Dennis when mm. we started. Have I talked about this uh, on here before? And we don't think I have. Mm. I'm I'm I hope I'm not wrong. I hope this wasn't one of the early ones that I did. Uh, and I'm okay with it if you have. With okay. it's, it's 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 relevant enough now that it's worth talking about. So I want to talk about uh, the Eurovision Song Competition, Hooray. Uh, which as an American is something I did not know about until a couple of years ago. And now I love, love, love it. Uh, so mm. essentially, and I'm sure Europeans, as you hear this explanation, are going to be real mad. Um, and feel free to correct me on the things that I have wrong here. But I'm going to give you the American interpretation of what the Eurovision Song Contest is. Head over to our Facebook group and correct us there. Or on Please. Twitter. <laughs> Uh, please, I would love to hear it because there there are things I'm going to miss. It's going to be like any kind of like I'm sure if there is something awesome at the state fair in your particular state and you've gone there every year and you've seen the thing and then somebody that's not from your state shows up and they love it, but they don't quite understand like how native folks see it. Hmm. It's going to be kind of like that, I think. I think this is sort of a European state fair that Americans specifically were not invited to. And yet somehow, thanks to the Internet, we're here. Hooray. So the Eurovision Song Competition was created uh, kind of in the the fragmentation uh, past World War II. And it was an attempt to try to get all the countries back together through song. And there would be this uh, song competition where it would be put on by all of the different like state uh, television groups in all of the different countries. So that all the countries through Europe could watch this at the same time and could root on their country. Um, so I believe the first Eurovision song competition, it's in like six countries in it. And eventually it's grown and grown and grown and grown and grown into this enormous competition with like 40 countries. Now, Australia is a part of it now, which I think is hilarious because it appears to be Eurovision has decided everything is Europe except for anything in North America. Uh, we are definitely not allowed to be a part of it, but as long as you kind of seem European, they'll let you in, which I think is super duper cool. So does Japan get in? So we were actually, so not yet. (laughs) We're pretty sure they're never going to let South Korea in uh, because they don't want to just lose. Right. Uh, It's probably like they're not, and they're not going to let us in. And from what I understand uh, over the years, and we'll talk a a little bit about this, but uh, it used to be like the only place where Europeans could openly hate the United States and we wouldn't be there to talk about it because we didn't send anybody. Uh, right. So they could do press conferences where they're like, well, how do you feel about the world pop? And they're like, well, except for the United States, which is awful, controls everything and destroys the world with its media. And there would be no one from the New York Times to say, like, um, a follow up question. How? Uh, so we wouldn't do that. And in the last couple of years, those kind of things will be said. And then somebody will say, hey, I'm the you know, I'm the style reporter from the New York Times. And then people will just stop their interviews entirely and leave. Um, cause they're afraid of what's going to happen once the United States finds out what's going on because we're jerks. I mean, I think right. that's fair. Uh, but now back to the actual competition. So every single country submits a song and whatever countries can afford to participate. Uh, Eurovision mm. coincidentally is a not for profit. So they also give a ton of money to countries to be able to field kind of a song and a group to be there. If you're the host country, you get a certain amount of financial help. And there's just kind of a a way that it's all taken care of to try and make it so as many countries can be a part of it as possible. So you're allowed to submit a song. I think the maximum song length is three minutes and 30 seconds. It might be three minutes. It's somewhere in there, but it's, they, they have to be very short. Um, and you submit your song all of the songs get presented right now because there are so many countries. Um, there are the host country gets an automatic run to the finals. The I think the big five they're called also get runs to the finals. And essentially, they are the main countries that have both done it every year and contribute the most money to Eurovision. Uh, so I believe it's France, Italy, Germany, uh, England. And I want to say there's one more I'm not thinking of. But uh, all of them also automatically get to play to the finals. Everybody else plays in the semifinals where we're going to show you 20 songs. We then have a vote. The top 10 songs will advance to the finals. And then we show another 20. The top 10 songs will advance to the finals. My numbers might not be perfect. Feel free to uh, razz me Europeans. Right. Uh, So the songs, this is where it gets great because they have songs and they have a whole presentation uh, to go with it. They do a stage act for it. And this Mm -hmm. is where things get so fantastically European 
that we're never going to understand because you have to remember these are a bunch of countries that are not larger than U.S. states and they are very close together. However, they have all been created and existed and evolved with different languages and cultures and all kinds of stuff. So you will get Sweden coming in singing in English. Uh, but they'll do a song that uses like some random folk instrument from the country that no one's used since the 1600s. And is, that's like where we got ABBA on the world stage, right? Okay, is because so of- there, there are very few groups that groups or individuals that have done well in Eurovision and then also were like worldwide pop sensations. The one everyone points to is ABBA. Uh, so let's talk about ABBA for a second and the song that they won the Eurovision Song Competition with. It was Waterloo. The song about the Battle of Waterloo. Mm. Uh, they came with an ancient war song and took the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, everybody got into Swedish pop and it became a thing. Um, at one point, uh, Celine Dion, or as I'm sure she would say her name in the competition, Celine Dion. Uh, entered, I believe she has dual citizenship with Canada and Switzerland, I think. Uh, so she has also won it, I believe, representing the Swiss. Past that, there are a lot of acts that have like done well there and in Europe are huge, but haven't necessarily hit the U.S. stage. Uh, there's also, you're allowed to sing in either, I want to say the rules are, your native language, English, and maybe French or Spanish, I think, are the four languages you're allowed to do it in. So you'll get this fantastic thing of folks that don't quite know English picking English to sing their song in because they hope it's going to get them more votes. Because there's this whole component where uh, you present your song and then the rest of Europe votes on it under the following rules. You're allowed to vote for any country that's not yours. <laughs> um. So this right. creates an amazing game. So we have the whole first half of the show where everybody presents their music and the the theater presentations uh, just get positively absurd. Um, and, and But Bruce, you use that word a lot. Uh, yeah, like uh, some of them, w- one famous act had a guy running in a hamster wheel. That was mm. part of their act. Um, w- one had very... Uh, 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 attractive, I guess I can use the word women, um, uh, churning butter on stage the entire time. Uh, I don't even think they sang. Their whole job was just to suggestively churn butter. Another one, four grandmothers baked bread in a brick oven that was on stage. Uh, There's a famous moment with a saxophone player where he just kind of air humps while saxophoning that's become huge because these moments are okay in Eurovision and they often can help you get votes. Yes, they can. So the whole first half of the show is your presentation. And then, so that's amazing. The, the visuals can be fantastic. A lot of the singing is good. Some of the singing is bad, which is also good. Uh, And then we get to the whole second half, which is like a gamer's dream. Uh, So, uh, Each country has a group of professionals, their quote, professional panel, and the professional panel awards points to all the other countries. You can't award points to your own, and it is one through 10 and then 12 points. Uh, So what will happen is in the groups of professionals, like little cabals start to form where like uh, here's the Eastern Bloc, all voting within the Eastern Bloc. Exactly. Or you'll find out that, like, Spain cut a deal with San Marino. So, randomly, they'll ask you the 12 points, and uh, San Marino will put a horrible song out. But Spain will say, uh, and, and each of them comes in with, like, their, their calling. Uh, so, if you've ever heard of the Clash's London Calling, uh, that is uh, what would go over all of the airwaves, uh, largely during, during war. Uh, mm-hmm. So, it will be uh, London Calling. I am blah, 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 representing the great people of England and the BBC. And we give our 12 points to, and they announce who they give their 12 points to. So normally you can kind of tell watching the show. You're like, oh, well, there are three songs that are exemplary that should win all of the points. But then like Spain will say, and we give our 12 points to San Marino. And you'll go, why? (laughs) Why would you do that? And then San Marino will show up and go, we give our 12 points to Spain. And you're like, oh, someone cut a deal. Yeah. So. All the professionals get to do their points and we get to watch the tote board move around and watch the sort of rally race that is uh, Eurovision happen, uh, so which I'm is not, a lot of fun. I'm not a huge, I don't know a lot, but I've heard that you know, sometimes there's just protest votes 
and sometimes there is, yeah, obviously backroom deals. And uh, sometimes it's, well, this particular country said you had to vote this way. So the other countries under its sway might vote that way, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So there's all that going on in the background. And like the politics happening in the rest of the world while we're here, um, as much as this is like a, Hey, I know there are countries bombing each other right now, but we're all at Eurovision and there is a certain amount of kumbaya to it until you start to watch the scores. Um, there was one year when Russia, uh, sent troops into Crimea. Uh, Russia had an amazing act at Eurovision. This guy, and the thing he did on stage was he kind of walked up a, a light wall. Uh, but the pieces of the light wall would form steps in front of him. So he had to choreograph to hit these steps to not fall off this light wall. It was amazing. He was a great singer. It was wonderful. And also Ukraine had a protest song about being under the boot of Russia. And yes. Russia lost and Ukraine won that year because the entire world or well, the entire Eurovision wanted to send a message to Russia that you're not going to invade the Crimean Peninsula and also win Eurovision. Uh, just to confirm, this is just for bragging rights? I mean, is there anything they get out of this? So uh, essentially it works like this. Uh, if you are the winning country... Uh, you are so it's almost like the Olympics, I guess. I you have say. to host it next time, though, you, right? You, you got to host, host it, it the next year. Oh, um, and it appears to be uh, kind of looking at the way people talk about it. It's not like the Olympics where because you have to build so many stupid things, you can't win with Eurovision. You can put it in any city in your country. You can put any venue that already exists. You don't need to make a new venue for it. And mm-hmm. in the event, if like a war torn country wins it other countries will reach out to help them um, and like so host it on their behalf. Yes. And what? they will say like, Hey, we know right now, you know, we'll, we'll pick where uh, things that Israel won, but everything in Tel Aviv would be hard to host it. So how about we move it to Barcelona uh, and the Spanish will pick it up for you since you can't host it. Like, and there've been a few where, especially during some of your more war torn strife of the nineties, where countries would win that couldn't host. Um, it's mm-hmm. considered an honor near as I can tell. And because Eurovision comes with so much money behind it, it does a lot of work to help you with it. So it's yeah. not quite the, the, the ball and chain that taking the Olympics is. So, so this all, this is all pretty good there, Bruce, but, but have you seen Will Ferrell's the Eurovision song contest? Uh, it is amazing. Uh, it is, uh, so there's so there's some moments in it where things happen, and the way the beats of a movie should work, you feel like you can see what's going on. And I remember Rocky and I watching it going, oh, this is not how this is supposed to work at all, and then the movie corrects it, and you're like, okay, the movie gets it. Um, it was so good, and some people are going to get this, I don't think I'm giving anything away. The guy who requests Yaya Ding Dong. Yaya Ding Dong. Yaya Ding Dong uh, was the person who called in for Iceland this year. Oh, uh, yeah. Reykjavik calling, and he, he was his car. He was the character the whole time. He was like, uh, with uh, with uh, twelve points, a uh, yaya ding dong. <laughs> and the, the, so he's doing this bit, and the two people back in in um uh, in the Netherlands are like, yeah, yeah, yaya ding dong is very good. So who do you give your twelve points to? Oh, well, I give my twelve points to yaya ding dong. And <laughs> you almost hear them say the words, yeah, the bit's funny, but really, we need to continue the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is great because Iceland got the joke and Iceland the last two years has sent like a really funky band with them where it's a great story where it's like normally the band is three people, the lead singer and two other of a rhythm section. But Mm. for for Eurovision, he he grabs some of his actual friends and makes like a six or seven person band and gives them fake instruments that don't work. And they just dance with the fake instruments to look cool. So it looks bigger on stage for Eurovision. Nice. Um, So. there's all that fun, quirky stuff that goes on first half, the, the, uh, the professional juries. And then there's a televote where all of Europe gets to vote under the same rules. And then they release the televote and you find out who the winner is. And often the televote from the people does not care how the professionals felt. Yes. So would you say that that more often makes a, a skilled or sympathetic person win or it just they pick someone randomly and they champion it because uh phones and internet 
Um, so here's the thing. I haven't watched enough years to be able to tell you the evolution over time from when it was actually a televote to now that you use an app to do it. What has changed? Uh, but it seems to be that, uh, at least especially this year, that at the beginning, the, the professionals picked very skilled acts that were exactly who you would expect to be leading and were fantastic singers. The songs were great. Everything was wonderful. And then the televote decided that there was a vibe they wanted. <laughs> so they took their vibe and all of their points and pushed their vibe uh, to the front. They were like, yeah. oh, no, this is a way we feel right now, and we want it to be there. Um, not an unworthy competitor, because I think who, who won was still kind of in the front, uh, but the televote changed it a, a lot that no one expected. Um, so like, say, like so, a, this year they could have pushed sea shanties to the fore if that had been, you know, if, if someone choice. had done a sea shanty, I don't think they would have won, but I think they would have done far better. Uh, one example I'll yeah. give from this year. I don't want to ruin too much, but, uh, one country, I believe it was San Marino had, uh, flow rider with them, like mm -hmm. actual flow rider. Uh, which at the end of the opening round, all the professionals were like, oh, he's a professional rapper. You brought a professional rapper in. That's super cool. We'll put you in fourth place. Uh, by the time they were done the televote, the televote knocked them down to like eighth. Because huh. the televote, like Europe was angry. They brought an American in. Uh, far right. more so than the professionals were. Because even the joke on the BBC version of the broadcast, because every country gets the main feed and then talks through it. In the US, we get it on Peacock, which is where you can watch it, but we get nobody talking. So we just get the raw feed with no extra anything. And in England, they were like, oh, they have Flowrider. I guess he stopped to fill a tank of gas and stayed there long enough to end up on this song. Nice. So uh, for people who want to get more of this loveliness, like Bruce mentioned, you can go to the Peacock. Um, the other option is on YouTube. You can decade, decade by decade see who won each given year. So literally it will be like, hey, for all of the 80s, check the winners or the runners up or the bottom of the pack for any given year. I, I don't know if I can find that playlist anymore, but you can search it. It's there or it was back when Eurovision Song Contest with Will Ferrell came out. Um, so there you go. Yep. Um, that's pretty exciting. Now, I was the way that I look at it is that if if there's an American group that sort of embodies uh, the the showmanship of, of Eurovision Song Contest uh, at this point in my life, it might be OK Go with their videos. Uh, OK Go would have been the kind of thing that would have done well there, and maybe they wouldn't have resented it. Yep. <laughs> that's yes. kind of the, the best way I can say it is I don't think they would have resented it but I would say if you're out there not only check out those playlists but just look for like just put in your your YouTubes all of your tubes uh, like Eurovision most ridiculous and that's going to mm -hmm. give you everything you need for the night absolutely uh, Chris any questions about uh, about the wonder that is Eurovision Song Contest well I mean this is the first I'm hearing about it so I have a lot of questions <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't know that I can form any of them into proper sentences. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> well, well, what are you going to talk about? What are you talking about, Chris? What do you, what do you want to bring for tell and tell? I have no idea. I'll be honest. What do you love? What are you excited about these days? I am excited about the same thing. I'm always excited about, which is computers and games. Okay. And, I mean, video games. All right, well, you think about that for a second, and I'm, I'm going to have an interlude here with our listeners about something that you also care nothing about whatsoever. <clears throat> yeah. Bruce, Bruce, do you like mustard? Who doesn't like mustard? Chris. Chris doesn't like mustard. That's right, ridiculous. That's mustard. All right. So um, this is uh, fair disclosure. My wife works for Jimmy John's, and they have this stuff called Jimmy Mustard. Um which has like whole mustard seeds in it or something. It's kind of like okay. caviar in a mustard without the fishy taste. And so it is. So it's, so it's not like caviar. It's more like mustard with rocks in it. It's no, no, no. They're, no, they're like puffy, more like chia, you know, okay. soft, but they little pop a little bit. Okay. Best just mustard I've ever played. I've ever had had the chance to, to use on a, on a food. But um, I'm usually a fan of just like plain stone ground mustard. You go to the, you know, thing you look for the stuff with the fewest ingredients it says stone ground on the label. None of these fancy Dijon's with, you know, Dijon's or anything with, you know, champagne in it. None of that nonsense. Just okay. generic plain mustard. Well, I don't know. When I was living in Maryland, so I guess back in 2008, 
I was like, I'm having a hanker for uh, something sweet. I'm, I'm going to make up some honey mustard. Okay. And there was no honey in the house, but we did have some dark, dark, beautiful maple syrup. Okay. And so if you have never had the chance to have maple mustard, what? you, you, you don't know how you can, how you can live. You know, you'll never, never view honey mustard as the superior mustard ever again. And it it's sounds easy to amazing. make. It is. It is the taste flavor that you were looking for. Chris might even like it, though probably <laughs> not on pancakes or waffles. But um, yeah, if you've got your uh, wonderful oats or uh, what's your what's your pretzel of, of choice there, Bruce? Uh, so for me, it's probably going to be a Snyder's of Hanover here in the area. Oh, nice- that's a that's an amazing pretzel right yeah, there. It's a yes. strong pretzel, folks. It is. It really is. Um, and so, and and then wonderful for dipping in in maple mustard, which which I'm going to recommend as my food interlude uh, to see if if Chris has had a chance to pick something. If not, I'm going to go on with whatever my main main choice is going to be. Chris, your food you have one job here, and is to pick one yes. thing that you're excited to share. It could be an anime. It could be a, a magazine. No, I guess there aren't magazines. It could the death be death of AAA video games. The death of trip. No, one thing, not a theme. Uh, we too want, broad. We want something that people can go out and get their grubby little paws on, or or wander over to YouTube and watch something that you are excited about. So go keep ahead. Keep talking and, about mustard. And uh, keep talking about mustard. Okay, I'm going to go on with my actual choice. And we since our food delude, folks. We have, you know, I did, I did a brief food or lube on, uh, on the, the Kerrygold butter at one point, And I think that's a, a thing I might start throwing in here with nice, some regularity. Like uh, Snacks so, are big. Food, food so, content does really well. Since I already mentioned, okay, go, I don't think like that would be a good thing to sort of say, but <laughs> go, go watch all their videos on YouTube. They are amazing. Indeed. Um, and, uh, but I'm going to go, uh, once again, back to the Ren Fair, since I saw a Ren Fair thing on Loki, and I was like, oh, I need to listen to some of my Ren Fair groups again. Um, and uh, the Poxy Boggards have been giving me far more joy uh, than probably a, a music group should. Uh, they are, um, uh, let's see, how, how did Hooters put it? Delightfully tacky, yet Ill- ill-refined. Um, uh, Poxy Boggards is, as they say on their discs, a, a drinking group with a singing problem who performs on the California Rin Fair circuit, or at least did. I don't, don't know if they have one this year, uh, but uh, they have a bunch of CDs out and you can get the, the, uh, the music without the CD on many of your favorite streaming services. And they occasionally will throw in a historic bit of song um, as well as their tawdry and vulgar versions of other songs that they have written or nice. perverted a bit. Uh, and so the poxy boggards are fun and they even have uh, the, I think it's the captain Jack's or happy Jack's podcast about games and gaming and all that nonsense. Um, I, there'll probably be a link in the show notes if we remember to do that, not that thing. Uh, but I like their songs and they're not, if what you're looking for is truly great music, that, that may not be the songs you're looking for. But they do have an excellent version of you know, the old Dun Cow and uh, you know many other many other traditional songs. How do you spell that? P o x y b o g g a r d s. There I we think go. They- the Poxy Boggards. Okay, so I can tell you right now they are definitely on Spotify. Yes, yes, <laughs> they are. And I, uh, I think they came out with an actually a new album or CD or whatever you would call it last year when I wasn't paying attention or within the last couple of years. So I'm going to go buy that now. Uh, but uh, yeah, if, if you're looking for Ren Fair music in both the worst and best traditions of Ren Fair music, uh, check them out. And if you don't want a mostly guy group, there's another group called Iris and Rose, uh, which I uh, play at the Texas Renaissance Festival, I think, or Scarborough. I don't remember one of the, maybe they do the tours down there too. Um, they are a female duo who also does a delightful renditions, uh, somewhat bastardized or, or bodyized, balderized, um, <laughs> of many of the songs, uh, that, that I enjoyed a lot when I was living there in Oklahoma and would go down to see them. So two for one, Iris and Rose and the Poxy Boggards and, and the Poxy Boggards. Now, normally I would say I'm not a big fan. I'm not the world's biggest fan of pun, uh, by mm. and large, I, I roll my eyes. 
Uh, but their albums are some <laughs> some chuckle-worthy puns. The one that you're waiting for, the Mr. Donald Dennis, is yes. Songs of Vice and Ire. Yes. Is the is the one that you're waiting for. And another one which made me, I'm upset that it made me snicker, is Anchor Management. Nice. From 2008, folks. And they also have one that is Liver Let Die, because they drink a lot. Yep. Um, wish You Were Beer. Wish You Were Beer, yeah. There's just so many... So many wonderful, wonderful songs and and horrible songs. I mean, um, though, while one of uh, one of the songs I I have as a uh, as a ringtone is "I Wear No Pants," uh, which I have declared uh, a few years back as the podcaster anthem. Um, okay. But they have a dance mix version of it. Nice. Um, <laughs> that uh, that is not Sirin Fairy, but is also delightful. But yeah, so the, their discs uh, include body parts, barley legal, logger than life. Um, oh, Atlas chugged. Yep. Well you done. Know. So beer and uh, loathing. So so many delightful songs, and so many songs that you cannot listen to around your more genteel relatives um, or at work out loud. Even okay. if you think this is the Renfair list that I have made that that is playable around the public people while we're doing D and D or whatever it is we're doing in the library, don't don't include any of their songs because you never know what you might have missed. Um, just Fair. just sing. So so there we go. Yeah, I'm going to say Poxy Boggers, and I, I, like I said, I rediscovered them after uh, in a recent uh, uh, Marvel TV show. I saw a Renfair, and I was like, well, obviously I have to listen to my Renfair music now. And they they leapt once again to the head of the list. All right, Chris, what anime are you going to talk about? Actually, I have something else I want to talk about. I think I've talked about it to you in passing before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it won't be nearly as big as Bruce's uh, Eurovision topic here. So few things are. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, so that's not you. That's me. <laughs> so I I like playing games a lot. Um, I like modding games a lot. Um, but one particular website program has taught me i suck at it and it's called wabajack <laughs> wabajack yes wabajack because i think i've mentioned this to you before so i got into so, well, before you get deep into this yeah. this is where bruce can go and get a beverage because <laughs> nice. it because it is it is a topic that involves both dungeons and or dragons but oh god not, not dungeons and dragons but um it is a video game resource and uh and go ahead uh, chris would you explain what wabajack wabajack is um it's a it's a mod list program like it's mm-hmm. the best way to put it i i don't know how i'll explain it so i it's a, it's a mod compiler Okay. Yes, that's a great way to put it. So I like modding games, and I was modding Skyrim. I get 150 mods into it before my game is begging for the release of death because <laughs> I don't know how to put them together the right way. And um, I'll get you know maybe 15, 20 hours into a game until it has corrupted itself to the point that it's unplayable. It's because I'm not that good at, at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Webajek is... Some group made this, and they have a bunch of games that they support, um, such as the Fallout 4, Fallout New Vegas, um, Skyrim, even Skyrim VR, funny enough, um, Darkest Dungeons, Dragon Age, and they're mod lists that people have created and curated that are even, it has Stardew Valley on here, that is 139 mods in their mod list. The Mm. Skyrim ones I was messing with have eight to 900 mods in their mod list. And they work. Nice. They usually don't break. And it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes this process of oh, I want to play Skyrim, but I want to play a different Skyrim. And uh inventory management. <laughs> <laughs> it does it for you, basically. Somebody has gone in and created a better version of it. And there are a bunch of mods on this. Uh, fair warning to anyone who's going to look it up. Uh, they do have a not safe for work section. Just throwing that out there. Keep that in mind if you go through it. It's a toggle. You can turn it on and off so you don't have to see them. Some of the mm-hmm. pictures are very graphic. Don't look at this at work. Just don't. Do not. But um, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of let me explore some uh, older games and get back into playing them because of 
this modding system because some games aren't very friendly with their modding, but Webjack makes it. I mean, it's a one button click, a six hour download for the eight hundred plus mods that you're going to download. Right, 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 and then it works. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, a, a few things about this is um, I thought it was only for uh, uh, for Skyrim because that's the game we were talking about at the time. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, I hit, don't put a lot of mods on my games. Uh, not necessarily because I'm a purist, though. Frequently, I want to see how the designer meant for it to be played before mm-hmm. before we do it. Um, but then I'm like, oh, Skyrim really could use these three or four things. Right. And I get to the fourth thing, and I Skyrim is unplayable. It's like you really need to go and scrape the tar out of your out of your hard drive or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is an excellent an excellent source to sort of streamline what you're doing. So yeah, and cool. not only do they have the overhaul stuff that I was talking about, I mean they have the much simpler stuff, the uh, Skyrim Essentials fixes, which is just. Here's the bugs. Let me fix them. Fallout has their own version of that, which is just here are the fixes. Um, the Fallout has the uh, Sim Settlement Experience, which is just an overhaul to the uh, settlement system. Doesn't mess with the rest of the game. So you can get stuff that isn't as crazy and psychotic and stuff that's just designed to fix the problems that developers seem headstrong about ignoring. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. That's that's a good choice. That's a good Indeed. choice. I mean, you totally violated the hey, we're talking about things that sing, but um, yeah, that's that's good. <laughs> I mean, with the right mod, I'm sure it can sing as well. It oh, absolutely. Can. There's yeah. probably lots of songs. Yeah, I think we nice. can lean that one in. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, um, now it's time to talk about the thing that we all have had some actual experience uh, with mm-hmm. in larger and small in some cases. And and with your permission, with with uh, the gallery's permission, I would like to propose that we talk about uh, steady crafting with the craftsman. Nice, fair enough. So, particularly over the last year and a half, but also some before that, <laughs> I have started watching uh, the craftsman uh, on YouTube. Uh, we rec- I recommend a lot of YouTube channels, but. Uh, you- um, and my wife frequently says it's time for us to watch a real show. And I'm like, but this is real. <laughs> You're watching it. Um, but um, since last year, uh, when we started having to wear masks, uh, she has taken up the occasional refrain whenever she sees someone on a crafting show wearing a mask or should be wearing a mask. She will sing the craftsman song. Don't forget to wear your dusk mask. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, what is the Craftsman show, Bruce? You're, you're familiar with it. Yeah. So I've watched a little bit of it mostly because you were like, Bruce, you need to watch this. <laughs> and is. it is, uh, how do I describe this? So it's a puppet that, uh, helps you with like crafting projects that are often of, uh, at least in the one that you showed me and the couple that I've looked at since of like usually a half decent complexity that are, uh, taken care of by a very laid back puppet uh, yes. that is just just like sort of a generically positive at all moments and exactly the person you want to have uh, helping you through a craft project. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Bru- um, I'm sorry, Chris, and you've, you've watched, you said you watched a couple episodes. I mean, um, I've seen some stuff. A lot of what I've seen is for working with stuff in the library, especially when we're trying to do our big crafting projects or our terrain making classes and stuff like that. Don't so. give away our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't our only secrets. We got more. We got more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The big secret is we don't know what we're doing, but, um, uh, yes, that's, I don't think that's a secret <laughs> to anyone who's listened to me on a podcast ever. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it does it in a way that is really easy. It's like, here's this one problem that you're going to have, or just a problem that you probably have decided you're going to have. Cause you're going to make that. And, uh, here's the really cool, fun way to do it where you're not going to go insane. Right. So every, everything is super comforting. First of all, that's it. Um, yes. And it's also very colloquial. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the, pro- he- and the projects are of decent enough scope that you're like, where it's like, uh, today I decided to make a complete prop gun from the first star Wars. Well, it, 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 I guess it's technically the fourth star Wars, but the first star Wars, yeah. And you're like, what? 
and it's yeah, like going down into the details. But yeah, it is it is very very. You're right. It's very colloquial, and it is very soothing. He will use the turn of phrase that uh, that that makes you realize whether it's the character that he's putting on or whether it's him, because nobody knows really who the craftsman is. I mean, he 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 starts each episode. Hello, my name is your host, the craftsman, and from that point on, uh, he will talk in a, a way that would have been very comfortable with my you know, grandparents or aunts and uncles, mm-hmm. uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, it sounds like maybe he's from Louisiana though. Possibly that's just because of his favorite spice that he will frequently send out. If you order stuff from his shop, he will include little shaker packets of that. Nice. Um, and, uh, and, but he will, sometimes he's like, Oh, I'm just going to show you my shop or I'm yep. going to talk to you about how I'm going to destroy this first edition Kenner star Wars figure. And, chop it up and use it to make three other figures, you know, or, or what have you. And, but each one of his, uh, little crafting exercises is just that it's a small piece that he's going to show you how to do it though. He might have three episodes on how he got his resin cast after he did the sculpting, after he did the blah, blah, blah. And it's amazing. And we are doing at the library this summer, a, a mold crafting a molding and and pouring things into molds and stuff uh, classes this summer. And I, of course, have never done this. Well, okay, I did it once 13 years <laughs> ago at this point. Um, and so I shot the guy an email and I was like, can, can we show your videos in class and use stills from your stuff? And he's like, absolutely, you can do that. And um, And then, you know, he's like, and here's where you can probably get a better deal on some of your supplies. He doesn't even have affiliate links set up yet. Because I was like, let us order the stuff through your affiliate links because we're using your resources so hard during, <laughs> during this experience. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we don't have those yet, but thank you for asking. And then at the end, he he called me, yeah, your friend, the craftsman. And so from now on, I'm going to be able to say I am friend of the craftsman because it was in an email. So it's true. And And one thing I would note, and I hadn't really thought about it until you were talking. And then I was like, oh, this is what it is. Um, take that same part of your brain that likes the joy of painting with Bob Ross. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That is, it is that in another dimension, uh, because a lot of people, and especially through Twitch, a lot of people got on to, uh, Bob Ross enough that I have a Bob Ross board game. Um, only one. Uh, I, uh, I think I only have one. I never bought the second one. You got the good one then. Yeah. Okay, I've yeah. got the art of chill. I mm. never got the, the party game because I just, eh. But we're not talking about tabletop games we refuse on this show. Um, uh-huh. But it's the same part where, like, I as a kid remember watching on public television Bob Ross. Was I ever going to paint that stuff? No. Bob Ross painted so fast I could never follow him. But uh, I did just like watching him. There was just something about, like, the sound of his voice, the cadence of what he did, the general philosophy he had of, oh, there's there's no mistakes. There's just happy accidents. So we're just going to fix that there. Like, that's the same feeling you get from the craftsman. Right. Right. Though. So the craftsman has admitted that he has made mistakes and that he's had to start over or whatever. And that's, that's delightful because he will Mm -hmm. show you here's what you might get. The other thing is, is that unlike so many YouTube channels that are, this is going to sound worse than I mean it, but that are ego driven. You never see the craftsman face. He is all about the, you know, the discussion relationship where he's obviously talking to you. Not to the you know two million other people who are watching his channel, but you really feel like he's talking to you in a very comfortable and informal way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't see his face, and so it's not about him trying. It never feels like he's trying to do stuff to get clicks. It always feels like he is he is genuinely sharing stuff. And if it's an act, then I am amazed. Yeah. All right, I think it is brilliant. I mean, and honestly, he takes it to another level. The only thing you see of him is black gloves. Or the, mm-hmm. or the puppet or the puppet, yes. puppet. which I think there's a certain amount of like the Kermit, the frog thing going on here with him, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which was, I mean, they would talk about it all the time whenever Jim Henson, like got in interviews and he said, you know, he never totally understood it, but he knew he was doing his job right because when he would have Kermit, the frog around celebrities, they would look in Kermit, the frog's eyes. They would never look at Jim Henson. Uh, and that would even be if Jim Henson was sitting next to them operating Kermit, the frog, 
they would look at Kermit the Frog because Kermit the Frog is the person who came in their living room and talked to them. And I think there's a certain amount of, yeah, like Bob Ross meets a Muppet. Uh, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes uh, the craftsman's wife will uh, chime in at the end of the video whenever he says something uh, delightful or incorrect. Uh, um, and so occasionally you get uh, the craft wife uh, uh, nice. chiming in. And that's fun as well. And sometimes he'll just put up a video of the rain outside of his house because, yeah, I can't record today. So guess what you all get? You get rain. And, <laughs> and it's nice. So uh, full recommendations from me is mm-hmm. uh, the, the craftsman. So Absolutely. If you're looking for another thing that is going to give you the same kind of warm fuzzies that Bob Ross gives you, um, I would definitely say check it out. It is super comforting, mm-hmm. and and you never come away. Sometimes you'll watch crafting videos where you don't really know how to do it when it's done, and and you always get the feeling that you have a much better understanding. And maybe it's because he he lives with the camera right up to the project and not with his face in it. Also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's his, his uh, paste, his pacing, but it it is it is great stuff. Indeed. Oh, I guess uh, we should probably point out because I know the first time. You told me about this. It did confuse me. It's the craftsman with no T. Right. That, no yes, T absolutely. C-R-A-F-S-M-A-N. Craftsman. Yep. As opposed to with the T, which is a brand of tools. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Well, wonderful. Uh, Chris, where can you not be found on the internet? No, I, um, Inverse Genius. Sometimes I do podcasts with Donald on uh, games at schools and libraries. Excellent. And Bruce, pick a place and share it with our fine, fine listeners. We did it at the beginning. Check out the Party Gamecast, featuring the Party Gamecast podcast about party games and games take to parties wherever your fine podcasts are sold or given away. Got a quick question. All right. Um, uh, are you ever going to bring on bugs to uh, to the fortnightly to say, hey, these are delicious. Eat them. No. All right. All right. Uh, so it dep- if new bugs come in, those are old bugs. If new bugs come to me then I guess I'll talk about it. But unless we get new bugs, no. Right. Excellent. Um, I've had a request that we do an all tea episode, uh, listeners. So if you have a particular tea that you would like to recommend that we try before we uh, get a few tea enthusiasts on or or whatever, I don't know how we'll do that because there are a lot of people who want to talk about tea anyway. Um, but uh, please let us know and head on over to the Facebook page for uh, Inverse Genius or the group because we really talk more on the group. Um, than we do on the page. And uh, yeah, you can find me wandering the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.